And it's a Louisiana Derby week here on the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Schacksnyder, Season 3, Episode 10. My boy Mark Broussard leading us in, but we're not here to talk about music, Mikey D. We're here to talk about the Louisiana Derby and uh, 58 races from Wednesday to the end of the week. You must be a busy man. You're a busy man. I was a busy man the last the last several days. It's, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this week, though. No lines to make. No lines to make this week. You get to focus all your attention on handicapping and uh you made the morning line down here for 33 louisiana derbies at this historic track and this year we have a solid 12 horse feel as we get to get ready to close the curtains here in the 151st season um what's your thoughts on how the three-year-olds have been down here this season are these some horses that you think can uh can tear up the triple crown trail what's kind of your thoughts on what we've seen here this year so far yeah, last year we were really high on epicenter and he ran very well in all of the big races and was actually three-year-old of the year but I, you know, outside of instant coffee, a lot of these other ones are question marks. So we really, it don't, you ain't, they don't know how deep the field really is. But, you know, if somebody steps up and, you know, really runs a big race, I think it's always a stepping stone. And I, I think the big thing is that Marlin 316, because then you know he's all right for the dirty. Most of those other horses, they're going another eighth of another 16 because Marlin eighth is their limit. So I, I, I can see somebody making a move and stepping up because they got a lot of horses that seem to be on the improve right now but right now i'm a little suspect of how deep the field really is well we have a um for certain you know a couple years ago it was the brad cox show when it came to these stakes races last year it was the uh steve asbuson show he won the oaks and then he won the derby obviously with epicenter um both those trainers have horses going going around this time so we'll see how it all shakes out but um, there's six Louisiana bred races they had to make up for for last weekend's weather cancellation. So that that launched us into a weekend this weekend with 15 races on Saturday. Another what? 14. 15 on Sunday. 15 too. on Sunday too. So you got 30 races to get your to get your fill uh, for the next for the next uh, six months before Fairgrounds opens again. Nice lot, way. Nice, of, nice yeah. way to end the meet. <laughs> nice way to end the meet is right. So um, we'll see how it goes. The Louisiana Derby is obviously the big ticket item. One million dollar purse. Like Mike said, for the mile and three sixteenths race, Kentucky Derby points obviously on the line. Hunter to the winner, pretty much guarantees him a spot. Forty points for second will get him a spot. Thirty, twenty, and ten. So this starts the next round of all the higher point races. Um, like we said, <clears throat> we could get to that race in a little bit. Mike, let's talk about the um, the titles. The titles for this meet. Um, the trainer's title is really intriguing. I, I don't know about you. It seems like it comes down to this. The last few years comes down to the last day of the meet, and it looks like it's heading that way this time. I got to think between Brett Calhoun, Brad Cox, and Ron Fauche, it, it'll go down to the last day for sure. Fauche has the most horses in the last day. He might find himself uh, one or two wins behind going into that day, so he's going to have to have a big day, but he's got a lot of live ones that day, and Ryan knows what it takes to win the training title. He won it two years in a row. But believe me, I, I could flip a coin between those three right now because they both have a lot of horses in this week. So just to reiterate on that point, um, you know, Calhoun for the last week of the meet, which was Wednesday through this Sunday, Calhoun entered 20, Fauche entered 19, Cox entered 15. Going into today, which is Thursday, Fauche has a 36. Uh, he's got 36 wins. Fauche does uh, Calhoun with 35, Cox with 35. 
But honestly, until Mardi Gras Day, I don't think Ron was even thinking about being in this race. And no. then he just caught by, fire. By the, about three weeks ago, he really just took off and he's been dropping his horses. And a lot of the cheaper races, since Delta horses have come over, a lot of the cheaper races are filling. That's and, right. And he's been able to run a whole lot more horses. That, that's a good point. Those Delta, those Delta horses have helped fill the entry box. And certainly um, Fauche's horses having the Louisiana bread has helped him. Get, grab the title for now. We'll see if he can get his third in a row. As we close out the weekend, the jockeys race, um, we, we, we both hinted at the start of the meet that Raylude Gutierrez could have a big meet. Um, I think you like James Graham, the three-peat. Yeah. And I, I told you Raylude could be there, and, and Raylude's um, really just, he's taking this, he's but, taking it to the next, next put, step. Put the circle on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he don't have to ride the last week, and he right. still wins. <laughs> yeah, he's had a phenomenal meet. Good, good for him. Um, happy to see him do well. Uh, obviously, you know, he rides for a bunch of different barns. He's not just... Well, he rides a lot for Brett, and Brett's having a really, really good meet. That's so it. That, he started off well. I think that was a big, big turning point right there. The owner's title is kind of out of nowhere. L&G Stable, um, Genesis and Sylvia Castillo, they employ Cesar Govea. Um, they have just been dominant over 119 starts. Mike, 18, going into this weekend, they won two yesterday. Um, so they're, they're up to like 20 wins for owners, and they're just blowing this field out the water. 18 out of their 19 wins, if I calculated right, um, most of the horses are claimed, but 18 out of 19 wins have played the claiming game. 15 different horses out of that has won. Oh, no. Govea has been unbelievable with claiming horses and bringing them right back and winning with them. Yeah, congrats to them. They got horses, this, this uh, L&G stable. They have horses in Texas at Sam Houston, a bunch. They run at Delta. Um, you know, and actually, they're the leading owner right now. It's in Sam Houston, too, with 10 wins. So they obviously play in the claiming game very, very well. And Cesar Govea... Um, is the beneficiary of the owner's uh, title there for the fairgrounds this meet. So let's get into it, Mike. We got a lot to cover. We're not going to cover all 15, folks. Listen, I mean, it's just impossible. I, we got about an hour or so to do this show and 15 races. Uh, we can leave the last three off. We might touch on them real quick, just who we like. Um, I know Mike has a long shot late in the card that he likes. We'll get to that one, and I'll throw in one for you for y'all, too, at the end. But um, we're going to take it at the top. They got Louisiana bread steaks. We're going to kick off. Uh, a lot of stakes races. We'll get the first race out the way early. It is noon post time um, on Saturday. It is 11 a.m. on Sunday. Correct. They said for the post time. So uh, be aware of that. Fairgrounds, first race on Saturday, bright and early noon post. Get out there um, and watch the Crescent City Derby. This one's a mile and a 16th for three-year-olds. And Mike, uh, you know, some of these horses we know a lot about. A lot of them have run over the track here. Um, what you got going on in the first race for uh, for this? I, I got to think, you know, Fauche is going to get off to a good start this day. I mean, he put blinkers on this coat uh, last two races ago, and he two dominant wins in a row. Uh, should be, the, you know, right up there on the lead again. And I got to think he's going to be very tough to beat in this spot. Uh, Benoit ran a good second behind him last time, but really never challenged him. And I just think uh, All Night Moonlight is going to be very hard to beat. I agree. If you, I mean, if you get there early, you want to bet this race, I think you can lean on All, all Night Moonlight. Ron's behind this horse since the start of the meet. Really liked him going two turns last time. Couldn't believe the price, 5-1. to one. That was... I couldn't believe the price on that horse at five to one. I mean, I, that's one of those ones where you just didn't bet enough money. Um, so he's not going to get five to one on Saturday. All night moonlight looks like the goods. I'm going to lean on him as a single. The, uh, the two-year-old Louisiana bred last year, the, the you know, Louisiana bred of the year for two-year-old late September is back into spots, make his, uh, make his second start for uh, Jose Camejo. Five to one stretching out, Mike. I don't know. Question mark for me is the two turns there. I think um, maybe make some money in this race. He's going to be second choice, close to second choice. But if you if you don't like him going two turns, you might be able to find some 
some value or price horses I would say use underneath. But late September is a nice horse. Just don't know he wants to go that far. But it's a good little rendition of the Crescent City Derby. Let's go to race two, Mike. Maiden special weights here. A lot of these cards on these big days obviously have maiden special weights attached to them. And some of these maiden special weights are overhyped. Some of them are, uh, you see some great stakes winners on these big days later on down the road. Well, um, I, we're hearing some buzz on a few horses in here, Mike. Which I, I saw you made uh, Castle Warden the five to two morning line favorite. Well, Brad Cox always saves some of his best young horses uh, for these big days, and he always sees to come up with one or two winners with those maidens. And Castle Warden has been working really, really well in the mornings. Uh, February twenty fifth went forty seven and two, fifty nine and three out the gate, <clears throat> and actually he got beat in that gate work. By, by a stakes winner named Old Homestead, uh, Old the Horse that's already won stake races. So that was a you know excellent race. He stayed right with him for a half before he faded a little bit to him. Came back and worked a minute and two, then came back on his own in, in company with Promise Me a Ride, who won last week, first time out for, uh, for Brad Cox. Went 47 and one, 59 flat. So I think he's going to be tough in here with Castle Warden. I think he's going to be very tough. Billy Jack, he's another one showed a lot of speed for Asmus and in his gate works. Uh, 34 and 4, 47 and 4, working in company with Sky and Sand, the older, uh, older horse there. Came back and uh, worked a minute and two, and a minute and two going five eights. You know, got to give him a look in here. Um, Noble Realities, another one that worked decent out of the gate for uh, Kenny McPeak, 35 and 2, 47 and 3. And, and, and Dallas Stewart's horse has worked good a couple times, uh, Harbor Bridge, but. I just think it's Castle Board's race. Yeah, Hopper Bridge kind of interests me a little bit. This one, um, out of the multiple grade three winner, Tiger Moth, one second time out routing. Um, the dam ran, I mean, Tiger Moth ran in 15 graded races in her 28 race career. Justifies 18% um, with first-time starters, but only one of 18 with three-year-old and up first-time starters is justified. So this one's a three-year-old cult, but I like this one. Um, not sure about the sprinting aspect, but definitely Harbor Bridge is one to keep an eye on. Of the Asmussen's, I was leaning toward, before you said, I was kind of leaning toward King's Glory with Rosario. Um, you know, that race at Saratoga was a loaded maiden special weight race with verifying, I think they had four winners out of that race, um, come back to win their next start. This one, uh, Asmussen does well with the, those babies up at Saratoga. He takes the ones that are real precocious up there. Looks like um, those works at the fairgrounds are pretty legit. For King's Glory. Um, yeah, his gate work was good. He went 35 and 4, 48 and 4 out the gate. So, he, you know, he's, he's worked well and he's going to get LASIK for the first time, too. Right. What do you find, like, these horses that haven't obviously come back for their three year old year, they race once as a two year old, but it's almost like they're a first time starter again, right? I mean, can they rem really yeah. remember when they went to gate back in August, six months? I mean, as a two year old, exactly. a three year old. So, they paid a lot of money for this one, obviously, and Steve likes to win in these big days, too. Um, King's Glory is a good one. And, like you said, you mentioned Castle Ward. I would just say that. Old Homestead, you mentioned him. He came back and quit in the stretch and got beat in the off the turf, right? Well, that wasn't that his right. race. He ran second on his return like a week ago, um, and just kind of shortened stride there at the end. But certainly a nice maiden special weight race um, on the second uh, second of the day here at the fairgrounds. <clears throat> so you can honestly, if you really like Castle Warden, you got all night moonlight in the first. Um, that double, what do you think? Seven dollars? Eight dollars? I'm gonna play a lot. <laughs> Seven dollars, eight dollars, maybe for that double. We'll see. Um, third race on the card, mile and 70, Crescent City Oaks. This one for the Philly, Louisiana Breds. And this was a, a competitive field, Mike, but you got a, you got the, the bear in here, the, the old female mama bear, Free Drop Maddie, who, who just loves the fairgrounds. This horse is just a runner for, for, Brett, uh, for Brett Calhoun, um, bred by Clear Creek Stud. 
and uh, Mansfield Racing, who is out of Texas. Those guys have had a great meet, too. 12 starts for Mansfield Racing, eight wins, um, no seconds and a third. So he, he's got some really nice horses. That guy does for Brett. Um, free drop, Maddie, 7 to 5 in the morning line. Is there anywhere else to look in this race? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think Alpine Miss, who beat her at Delta fairly easily uh, and is undefeated in three starts, three, three wins in three races, uh, and looks like a horse that the distance is no problem. This horse definitely wants to go a lot of ground. I'm not sure that mile and 70 is the best distance for free drop Maddie. So I think she's going to be tough. She likes this racetrack, but I think Alpine Miss is going to make a run for the money. And Olivia G is another one. <laughs> she she got beat in the last two races by free drop Maddie and then by Alpine Miss. She's got five starts, all second place finishes. So she shows up every time. But I think the one's going to give the, the two and the, and the five a run for their money. I think this race could heat up. This race could heat up on the front end. Um, you know, that uh, JL Garcia, the trainer of Alpine Miss, he, he trains, takes two to tango, who is at a huge price in Louisiana, as a Louisiana bred sprinter. Um, you said the horse is undefeated. I looked at that, too. Um, and Free Drop Maddie, I guess, you know, Alpine Miss's home court was Delta. She held serve at her home court. Free Drop Maddie, I don't think, really likes Delta too much. Um, if you look at her PP, she ran fifth at Delta, two back to Alpine Miss, third, you know, back in October. So Free Drop Maddie says, okay, I, I played your game. Now it's time for you to come play my game. And, um, you know, we'll see. She's been, Free Drop Maddie's been favored six out of the last eight starts. So they're going to bet her. There's four starters from that Delta race um, in this race from the Premier Starlet. Like you said, Olivia G is one. I just think these two might hook up on the front end, um, trying to get ahead of each other. And if that happens, look, I mean, you could have a price come in. Olivia G certainly fits that mold. She's been a hard luck horse this meet, Mike. Four, four starts, all seconds. Um, so she, she's she got to feel her connections have to feel like she's due. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think that there's something to be said there if Olivia G can rate nicely and if those two kill each other she could be the one beneficiary of it so that's the third that's the uh the third race on the card there at the fairgrounds interesting uh there was some there was some big favorites i think in the first three races so we'll see what happens the fourth race on the card we head to the turf um as we uh been kind of broadcasted out the turf rail has been pushed in um no workers i don't think we're even racing on it until saturday um i don't remember them them saying that we i think that we're going to hold it off till saturday so we're not going to really get a gauge this week on how this turf course is going to play with the rail down. Uh, they moved it inside seven feet. Have you talked to any of the trainers? Anybody said anything about, you know, how that might play out or what they're thinking? Or no, just... everybody's just like us. They, they said you won't know until you get out there. Right, right. Let's, um, let's look at the fourth race because five and a half on the turf. This coast are rising every year, Mike. You throw these Louisiana breads in the gate, these older horses. They know each other. They beat up on each other. This is a race that I'm intrigued to go price shopping in. Well, yeah, for the simple reason, uh, the definitely favorite's going to be Brown and Brow, and this horse has not really done anything on the turf in his life. He's a dirt horse, but has showed marked improvement since they gelded him on his comeback trail. Three wins in a row in all very, very quick times, uh, two here and one at Delta. He's run okay on the poly track, and he showed some speed in his turf race, but question mark about him being on the turf uh big chopper another question mark with him the distance five and a half furlongs he's going to be closing well and he won uh you know on the turf last time out beating who took the money but that was uh going around the ground uh yankee seven might be a wild card in here he won this race last year and he's got a good prep behind evan singh and angiston and, and the colonel power stakes on the turf here so it's an open company i, I think yeah. i think yankee seven could be a dangerous horse in here but uh it really, like you said, you might want to go shopping because some of the favorites 
haven't haven't really done that great on the either at the distance or on the turf. Yeah, none of these have had more than one win on the Stall Wilson turf course. Um, three out of the nine do have a win, but you, you don't have a, a horse on here really in this race that you can say loves the turf course here. I mean, they're all just okay. Um, and there's that LNG racing stable popping up again on Yankee seven, um, nine to two more than I think could be a little, maybe they'll bet into this one a little bit. Um, I was, I was intrigued to see relentless dancer in, in this race for Keith Bourgeois, this six year old horse, Mike never had really any success at the fairgrounds. Um, relentless dancer, the two horse was in the hands of Mike maker for 19 of 20 starts for his and never won on the turf. So that tells you, right. <laughs> I mean, Dottie's a turf horse. Probably not, probably not much of a turf, turf horse. Um, you know, as a three-year-old, this thing, he set the pace in the Tampa Bay Derby. If people remember that back in 2020, but, um, I don't expect a real fast pace here. So I think it's, it is good to go price shopping. X clowns cross entered, um, Jake and those connections, uh, are going to go in this race as long as it's on the turf. Uh, this horse has run well too. Over the turf course, he ran fifth in this race last year. Um, the year before, they had another horse run really well in this kind of a race. He's certainly dangerous. Um, and with Jimmy Graham, they've been their go-to, and they've had a fantastic meet that barn. Birdie's Galaxy is also one I think that could that could run well here on 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 the lead if she if he wants to. Just all over. I mean, look, go for some prices in here. I mean, this is a good superfecta race, a good trifecta race. You got Big Chopper cutting back here and. Um, I'm not really a fan of him picking up seven pounds off his last win in Eddie Johnston, but I guess that's the deal, right? And and the shorter distance, you know, because that, that's not probably his best distance. I will say this, Brian's Iron Mike um, is also 8-1 to one on the cutback. Iron Fist, as a Louisiana bred sire, has been very successful in the dirt, but on the turf, turf out of 21 starters, Iron Fist only has two wins. Um, he obviously never raced on the turf. The dam did win two on the turf and has a couple of siblings, but um, not a lot of strong turf pedigree for Brian's Iron Mike. Although he does run good in the dirt around here. So, interesting race. We'll see. I'm not sure if the also eligibles have a chance to draw in. But Brown and Brow, certainly a favorite you might want to think about playing against in the fourth race. Fifth race on the card. Let's go back uh, to the main track. Mile on the 16th. Looking at some optional claiming horses here. Mike for Phillies. Um, going two turns. And uh, this is a pretty good Pretty good field. You got some uh, some nice maiden winners coming back here. Marlaza is the nine to five favorite, and I think she's going to be very tough to beat. Brad Cox really good at stretching horses out from sprint races to route races, and you know this filly looks like the, the distance won't be any problem for her. She drew away impressively to break her maiden in her last start. I think she's going to be very tough. A couple other ones that you can look at: uh, Huntley uh, broke her maiden going two turns uh, by four lengths. Then failed to show the speed as the eight to five favorite in her next start against winners. I think, you know, maybe with a cleaner break and now that she's on the outside, she'll be able to show that speed without getting bogged in behind other horses. So I got to think Huntley's got a shot in here. Miss Tappy Tone, uh, another one, uh, Chris Hartman shows a very good percentage sprinting from route sprints to routes and closed very well going six fair long. So I got to think she's got a chance in there also. Uh, and, you know, Stella Ladies, another one I thought has a chance for McPete. He's very good with these horses, bringing this one over from Oakland back over to the fairgrounds. But I really think the six is going to be really hard to beat. So that's the early pick five as well, Mike. Um, from Rolaza ends the early pick five. I think you have a lot of players probably leaning on her. Um, in the pick five, backing up with, like you said, Huntley for sure, with Corey Lannery for Norm Cassie. This filly's a little small, a smallish filly. I think um, Norm said, you know, she likes to be outside. For the, the post outside is better for her. Um, talking about post positions real quick, wanted to hit you with this. Um, I was doing some research last night, and I posted this on Twitter, at Shex Nola. Um, the 10-hole in sprint races at the meet, 0 for 33. Wow. The 10 posts. 
Um, now, outside, you know, we, we know outside is kind of bad. Those five and a half and sometimes six. But I think 11 hole is one for five. And the 12 hole has a win or two. But just the 10 hole, 0 for 33. That's just an oddity. That is an oddity. You're right. Um, because generally, Jim, when you're out there, you get a chance not to get bogged down behind anybody. Right, right. So <laughs> the outside post, you know, if you're leaning somewhere and um, you're between two horses and one's in the four hole and one's in that 10 hole, that might help you make your handicapping decision. So just keep that in mind as we... Head to these last uh, this last week here at the fairgrounds. That's five down, uh, at least five, six. I don't know, seven, eight, nine more to go. We'll see. We'll see when we come back here on the fairgrounds racing podcast. Down here in New Orleans, there's always another holiday coming up on the calendar. Mardi Gras, then St. Patrick's Day, and Easter will be here before you know it. Let the experts at Louisiana Craft Butchers help you plan your next party, tailgate, or special occasion. They have plenty of different types of your favorite sausages, kosher deli-style pastrami, and corned beef, a New Orleans favorite. Call them today at 504-466-9788. But before you do, check out their website at lacraftbutchers.com and give them a follow on Facebook to get all the updates for their latest specials and recipes, like Manali's Barbecue Shrimp, Rocky and Carlos's Mac and Cheese, and an Oysters Mosca's recipe, and plenty more. Just click on the Recipes tab on their website, lacraftbutchers.com. That's Louisiana Craft Butchers, 504-466-9788, louisianacraftbutchers.com. Back here in the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, Chad Schecksnyder, alongside Mikey D, track handicapper, morning line maker, and head clocker at the Fairgrounds. Mike, six race on the cards, a maiden special weight, won a $75,000 purse, six furlongs. This one for three-roll fillies um, sprinting. And we got, some, uh, we got some fillies with some upside here, some that ran already, um, and a few first-time starters to talk about. And you're right. And unlike the early part of the card where one or two horses look like standouts, this race is one you're going to have to spread if you're playing the gimmicks because there's six or seven of them that I think legitimately can win. Uh, Twin Mischief, this one from the Steve Asmeen's board. Obviously, you know, they thought a little bit of her. They ran her at uh, Saratoga. She ran second in that race, and she's come back and worked well here at the fairgrounds. Uh, on February 27th, when she went 101, she finished up that work in 35 flats. So she finished up very well in that work. Uh, Conceptualize has been working very well for Brad Cox. And Brad, like I said, on these days, the pots go up for these main special weight races, and he always seems to hold a few back waiting for this day. Uh, this has been working very well. February 25th, went 47-2, and 101-2 out of the gate with Promise Me a Ride, who won first time out uh, last week. Then came back and worked 47-3, and three, a minute and one, a minute and a fifth, in company with the Alley's Look, who's in the Oaks. Then came back and worked 35 and uh, 4, 48 and 4 out of the gate with Charging, who ran third, uh, second first time out, I think it was, for him. So <clears throat> I think with Louis Sayers aboard, Conceptualize is going to be one of the ones that's going to be tough. Uh, Golden View, another one. Came back since his la her last start, worked very well on February 27th, uh, 24, 48, a minute flat, and 113 and three out for the six furlongs. And, you know, so another one that that trainer does very well second time out. Al Stahl's got one. Angora Deb that really showed up in her last work out of the gate. Uh, 40, 35, 47 and two, a minute and two. And she worked in that race with an older horse that's unraced named Officer Quigley. So worked very well. And before that, Al thought enough of her. He was working with Mass Parade. 
That's interesting. Wangora Deb, obviously, we talked about the post position. She's drawn way outside in this field. But her dam played Bellotto one first time out with a 93 by her speed figure um, in a stakes race, no doubt. Um, in a stakes race, she, she broke her maiden. Conceptualized, I came into this race, and when I handicapped it, I said, I'm going to try to be conceptualized. That's, that, that's my goal here. And I'm going to see what Mike says about her works. And, of course, you, you tell me all the work stuff, and now I don't know what to do. But <laughs> I was looking at it. You know, the dam was unraced. Imagine a star. Cloud computing's five thousand dollars to go to, and they paid one hundred and ninety-five thousand for this horse. So obviously, somebody liked something. Um, yeah, showed some, some good Show, works. showed yeah. something, and you know this horse was trained pretty religiously right down here since December. Oh yeah, been um, working well and working with good horses. So now you got me thinking about not throwing Brad Cox out in this maiden special weight race, but I think it's a really good field. I think you got to spread this race. Yeah, I think really you got to spread. Um, you know, looking at that twin mischief, like you said, I think that horse will take money. That, that two-year-old race at Saratoga could have been the best maiden special weight of the summer last year. That was a loaded race. Four next-out winners I mean, and two seconds from eight starts in that race. Well, think about it. And you look at the jockeys that are on it. Santana, Gutierrez, Rosario, yeah. Alvarado, Le uh, Sayez, Pratt. I mean, you know, right. Ryan Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, front range was a Baffert Philly uh, twin mischief out of front range. And Chocolate Gelato won that main special weight race, came back to win the grade one for Zet. So, oh, no. um, you know, Twin Mischief kept good company there at Saratoga. So, um, yeah, it's a good race. It's a good race. We'll see how that shakes out in the sixth on the card. The seventh race on the card is another main special weight. This one, a mile and a 16th for the Phillies, three rolls. Um, and there's a lot of different directions to go here, Mike. I got a couple long shots that I'm interested in in here. And I agree with you once again. This is another race you have to spread. I got checks, I think, on six different horses. Uh, Let's see. We'll start with, uh, you know, Freedom for All is a horse. It's the first time started from Kenny McPeak on. Been working very well. Uh, you know, worked out of the gate uh, 12-1, 24-2, 48-4, 101-3. And, and, uh, you know, so, and got Brian Hernandez. Whenever Brian's aboard for him on the first time out, they're a live horse. Uh, Dollar Up, this is another one. We're in a solid second first time out. Looks like the stretch out shouldn't be any problem. Superlux is another one. Superlux and Raggedy Sand uh, both ran in the same race. And Superlux actually finished up real well and galloped out real after a slow start. I think she's going to stretch out well. Raggedy Sand, Neil Passon made the comment before the race that he really thought that she would be a closer and might get a piece late, but that she wasn't a sprinter. She was definitely a two-turn horse. So you got to think she's got a shot in here. And Sweet, Sweet Chablis, you know, she ran second, you know, going a mile and 16th. So she's already proven that, you know, she can get the distance. But believe me, I'd have to spread in this race. Yeah, I think a lot of these connections, we're looking forward to stretching these um, fillies out to two turns. And Superlux definitely intrigues me. Um, up there at the two-hole at eight to one, uh, gets Rosario. And like you said, um, I don't think this one wants to sprint. She wants to go long. Um, it's a bit of a slow start last time. They didn't better, like, and Espus and first-timer sprinting was going to be her thing. I mean, she went off at 14-1 to 1 with Brian Hernandez. Um, you know, if she was live, you know the money, that money would have came right. in on her. So I'm thinking, um, you know, she could take some money, wash the tote board on her. Uh, Graceful Union for Cherie DeVoe's been out three times. Uh, you know, she's got a second-place finish last time out, um, and the two-turn experience should help her. I'm a little bit against Sweet Chablis. I think we kind of know who she is. But another long shot I wanted to talk about, Mike, on, on the outside, which – you know, we talked about these horses on the outside. You talked about the stall last race. I'm about to talk about new beat here. And we just said, you know, all these post positions are over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> over exactly. for the meet. So we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to draw something up here that's probably not an idea. But, you know, this could also give you, if these horses don't run that well, maybe it's because they're on the outside. But put them in your stable mail 
and watch him next time, you know, because we're, we're, you know, we're hearing stuff on these sources and they're working well. This just might not be their weekend. You know, their, their weekend might be coming up at Keeneland or at Churchill. So um, just something to keep in, keep in mind. New Beat was uh, out working Grove, who I think won at Oakland. You just tossed that last race. I mean, that, that she she had a rough trip. Um, you know, she stumbled coming out the gate. Clipped, I mean, she clipped heels and stumbled um, around the 3 eighths. It's a total toss. And I think this horse, um, when you see that, and they got, she was 11 to 1 last time, but she's come back and worked a few times. She's 15 to 1. She's got a little bit of experience. Maybe she's one with Luis Saya as they switch to here. A lot of, a lot of different place, places to go um, here, in the, here in the seventh race on the card. So watch the board on these, and, and that might be able to tell you the direction to go as well. We get into the stakes action, Mike, in the eighth race with the Tom Benson Memorial Stakes, mile on the 16th. On the turf here, Mike, and... Um, Here's where it starts to get tricky, right? So you got here's where Cox starts to show up, and he likes to win. You know, he wins these stakes races all the time, so he points these horses for him. But you know, you also get some shippers coming in and some other horses. We have we've only run about 51 races on the turf course, so there's not a lot of you know back PPs to go to when it comes to these races. You got adventuring from the rail at two to one. The rail is going to be down. Is two to one something uh, you're interested in taking on adventuring? I, I, I mean, I'm not jumping all over, but uh, she's been keeping pretty good company. I mean, she got beat a length and three quarters in a grade one. Then she came back and run third twice in grade threes. Definitely a horse that, you know, you got to give respect to. But, you know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have her in my ticket, but I ain't, I, I ain't jumping all over. I mean, uh, Dita, this is another one from Iggy Carreras's, uh this horse here, I mean, she's a grade one winner, you know, down in South America. She's come back in the United States two for two, beat a pretty good field uh, in the last start at uh, Colonial, coming off of a little bit of a freshening. But I got to think she's got a you know, legitimate shot in here. She can't sing. She won this race last year. And, you know, so she has, she's a proven commodity over this surf course. And, you know, she didn't run a bad race over, you know, on the dirt in the last time. And I think she might even be a better horse on the turf. Uh, so I think she's got a chance. And, and New Year's Eve, this is another one coming off of a long layoff. I mean, all four of those, I think, could pop up and win. I'm just all over the place here because you look at it, <clears throat> you know, Chris Block has two in here. And Chris Block is actually the leading trainer um, of the meet when it comes to turf races. He's won five turf races this meet, followed by Catalano um, with four. So we've only run 50, and Chris Block has won five. So his horse has been firing. I, I really like, I really like um, She Can't Sing to repeat here. And you know, it's nothing really against adventuring or Didia, but it feels to me like Nacho Correa is getting this horse started here, and the goal is probably a Keeneland Stakes race. It's probably a goal that, you know, he wants to get a race in, into this horse here at the fairgrounds and probably point for a, a little higher stakes race over at Keeneland. So I, I got the whole give it a, give it one approach thing when it comes to Didia. Um, and on adventuring, I'm a little wondering why Rosario's not back on board here. I mean, he, he rode this horse two third place finishes and greatest stakes company but now you know cox switches to Sayas. this horse made nine hundred nine thousand, so a win here is not gonna get her to a million but he gets her pretty close pretty close but again you know i think this is a, a stepping stone to maybe something at keeneland for this one too I, i'm not interested in the two i'm not interested in the three I, it's kind of by default i kind of ended up back on she can't sing a horse i'm gonna throw in the nista nista i will tell you is um is peasant's horse is trebarrett's you know 12 to 1 um, I think this horse is a must-use underneath. You get Florent Giroux on board here. Um, this one's the half the street band, the one that won the grade one cotillion and actually won the Fairgrounds Oaks back in 2019 on the dirt. So a lot of dirt breeding. This one seems to like turf, too. 
Um, you know, that was obviously the best the other day. It was a three-horse field, not really much to go on. But, you know, Pest has been trying to get this horse on the turf the last two starts. It's been, uh, been off. So he gets his wish this time. Third start off a layoff here. And this horse is running pretty well. Ran really well at Kentucky Downs on the turf. Um, so I give this horse a big look. I give this horse a big look at a big price. And it's a good one to use in the underneath. So um, that, that's kind of where I'm going. You know, New Year's Eve, talk about her just real quick. This is her first start against older horses. If you know, his first start as a four-year-old, Brendan Walsh kept his three-year-old filly um, in stakes races in her game last year. She made 436000 last year running against her own kind three-year-old. So it's definitely the right thing to do. She's got two wins at the fairgrounds. But stepping up uh, facing older for the first time. There's some salty older uh, older fillies and mares in here. So um, I'm kind of against her from that perspective. So to me... Look, I'm around. She she can't sing. Trebarowitz win. It's gonna be a really good start to me for the for the late gimmicks. That's the eighth race on the card. There. Let's go to the ninth race, Mike. The New Orleans Classic. This one always a good race on the card. Um, were you surprised to see Art Collector pop up here? Yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but Billy Mott you know, had had success in this race last year, so I guess he figures, hey, this this race figures well on the card, and you know, and, hey, the pot ain't bad. You know, five hundred thousand. So. I think, you know, and I mean, he beat a really strong field uh, in the in the Pegasus last time out off of a layoff and looks like a horse that's, you know, really coming back to what he was a year and a half ago when he was really dominant with, with a lot of horses. Uh, West World Power was another one, though, that has really run well for Brad Cox and ran second uh, to Proxy, only got beat three quarters in the clock, grade one, and then he came back and run second behind last Samurai who came back and won another stake last week at Oakland. So, you know, both of those horses, I think, really going to be one of those two, I think, will win. Uh, Pioneer Medina ran a good race uh, and won by a head over Mr. Wireless. Both of those horses are in good form and running well, but I just think they might be one notch behind the top two. Pioneer Medina, what a game horse, man. I mean, I, I, now look, I haven't picked this horse. I haven't really been on this horse, but this horse loves the fairgrounds. Went back and watched that replay now. He's going to pick up four pounds off that win, but, you know, he's he's two for two at fairgrounds. The other two races he lost, but both to Epicenter. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at this horse, you know, that last race, he would not let Mr. Wireless by. And when they turned for home, it looked like Mr. Wireless was going to go right by him. Had he, he measured, dug yeah. in, had he measured on the outside, this horse dug in in the middle of the track with this horse breathing down his neck. They hit the wire. He still wouldn't let Mr. Wireless go by him. He kept going. I mean, just a game horse. He loves to be in a fight. Um, in the stretch, and, and Pletcher brings him here, and he just he, he loves this racetrack. I can't let Pioneer Medina go to the winner's circle again and not have something on him. <laughs> so I don't care if our collector's in here or cigars in here. I'm going to have Pioneer Medina on my tickets for sure um, at 9-2. to two. I'm a little bit against West Willpower, which is probably a little crazy. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, just, uh, I just don't know. I think Treasury could really make him work hard. On the front end, uh, probably harder. I think Treasury's going to the front. Treasury's going to the That's front. That's all he I knows. Mean, Wes Willpower, he's, he likes to be up there close. And he's never been on a fairgrounds race course. He's got to get 124 pounds. He's a six-year-old with only 14 starts. I, just to me, I just he's, he's kind of a cut below. Now, maybe he's a couple of grade one horses, and I know this is a grade two. But you got to take a stand somewhere. And I think, um, you know, this might be the spot. Um, I just think Treasury on the front end could loosen him up a little bit. And, and with our collector coming and... You know, you got Pioneer Medina, who loves to be right there coming. I think I, I'm risking probably those two are my A, Pioneer Medina and our collector. Um, Mr. Wireless, as much as I'd love to see him win, he's done nothing but good for me. This meet running second. You know, I'd like to see him probably finally win one of these races. But as these races go, they get harder. So, Definitely. you know, that's, his, that's the problem he faces here. Um, 
you know, is he, is he now tough enough without, after these last three races? And Happy America's back in here, too. You know, uh, he didn't run very well last time, but Neil, Neil puts him right back here. He ran in the World's Classic last year, finished fifth. But, man, I, th- I just think that, that start, two starts ago in Louisiana in December, that was his best. And that, and that took a lot out of him. It was a hard, hard race. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right there. So there's the ninth race for you. I'm going to key off those two horses, uh, Art Collector and Pioneer Medina. We'll see what happens there. Um, tenth race on the cards, the Munez, uh, $300,000 purse, grade two, mile and eighth on the turf, named in honor of your boy Mervin. You, you want to tell a Mervin story? I think tell <laughs> oh, too many? We could tell too many, but Mervin was a great guy. <laughs> he was, a uh, fun to be around. Yeah. He's, he's another one of those Damon Runyon characters. He, 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 um, his name seems to come up a lot, uh, this time of year, obviously for the race, but, um, also joking about the, the races being canceled the other day when the jocks didn't want to ride. It's a good story about the jocks not wanting to ride back in the day when Mervin was sitting in his office with his feet up on the desk. I, I, don't, think went, that, I don't think that'll happen. He said he went, he went in there and told the jocks, he said, hey, how many of y'all will ride if we run? And about half of them raised their hands. He said, okay, we're running. And if you other guys don't want to ride, don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> there you have it. That was, that was, that was Mervin right there. Well, the tenth race in his honor, um, the one horse Atone shows up here. Mike Maker's going to ship this one in, Mike, and um, five to two in the morning line, coming off that Pegasus Turf Cup win with Irad Ortiz aboard at three to one. Um, Maker had a phenomenal day that day; was winning left and right with those Gulfstream horses. Going to take a shot, shipping this one over here. I want to get your feelings on this uh, on this horse. Um, over a million dollars, two millionaires in here, and depending how this race shakes out, it could end up with three millionaires in this race after it's all said and done. You set a tone at five to two. Um, is this a horse that gets to be prominent on your tickets? And uh, which way you want to go? Exactly. Actually, I, I'm only using two in this race. <clears throat> I got a tone. I think, you know, Mike Maker, he's a master on the turf. I mean, he when he when he brings them over, they're going to run. And I have our, the horse he beat, I mean, been right there in the Breeders' Cup. He was, a, you know, he's really a really good turf horse. And looks like a horse that's, you know, that was his, you know, little race off of a little bit of a comeback. And he come back and worked 59 and change in his last workout, which was on really the, on the dirt. Yeah, on the dirt. So I got to think he's going to be a tough horse to beat in here. Luis has aboard uh, two Emmys, won this race last year. So he's the defending champion, was second in it the year before that behind Colonel Liam, who was a really was a great one stakes winner. So he, he shows up all the time. Another horse that you said loves this racetrack and he loves the mile and eighth distance. So I think you Robinson's got him going really good right now. I think one of those two are by far the most logical. Uh, you know, Spooky Channel and Gentle Soul, I can't completely toss them out because both of them are in good form and been running well. But I just think, you know, two Emmys and, uh, and a tone are going to be tough. All right, I'm not trying to talk you off a tone, but I'm going to give you a stat. Mm-hmm. You, Maker's Horse is always running the turf. That, that seems to be the general knowledge, right? Ship, anyways, a turf trainer. All right, the last five years, Maker, when he ships into fairgrounds with turf horses, Shipping the fairgrounds with turf horses the last five years, what do you think his win percentage is? Obviously, it isn't too good if you're going to give me the statistic. <laughs> five for 83. Five for 83. Six percent wins, and of those five, none of them are stakes horses. Well, up until this year, he had a stable here of regular horses, uh, turf horses. These are shipping, though. These are shipping. Five for 83, according to DR in, formulator. In, 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 wait, in the last how many years? Five years. 
I can't believe he shipped in 83 horses. Well, uh, they when were they horses say that were stable. They made a start somewhere else. Their next were, start was at Fairgrounds. They were at the Fairgrounds. Not shipping, but he's they He's had 25 or 30 horses right. here for the last seven or eight These years. These are horses that made their, their last no, start at so, a different track. Yeah, so, so I, they made, made the start. I think that's a phony statistic. Yep, with 583. I think that's a phony statistic because I think a lot of those horses got beat after running somewhere else because they were making their first start at the Fairgrounds. Right. Well, that's and right. he's had horses. He's had 25 or 30 here for the last 10 years. So that that's it. Twenty seven of them have been the money. Phony um, statistic. But five of them, out of those five, none were stakes horses. That's what you can you can make a statistic <laughs> any way you want. That's how they make a count. Uh, I gotta tell you what, I got fooled last time because I was all over Bay Street money shipping in here for the fairgrounds uh handicap and he didn't he didn't run a step. I got fooled I got fooled by that one um from Maker. So I'm not gonna let Atone Atone fool me, but he's not gonna be an A for me in this race, um, with Saya's aboard. I love two Emmys, man. Oh I, no, I, I know two I, Emmys. Two I think, Emmys. Loves this racetrack yeah. and loves this distance. So no, he's definitely on the and, ticket. And he could he could become a millionaire with a win in this race. It puts him over a million dollars. Um, I realize I think James Graham really realized with that rail out last time how he wanted to run. He kind of botched that up. Yeah, he kept yeah. him out, and I think he realized you know how to how to run this horse. And um, you know, look, two Emmys wins this race. He, he's vying for a stakes race to be named in his honor at this track. I mean, oh no, he loves this racetrack. I, he, he's, you know, I think he's the horse to beat in here. He's got the home home court advantage and. I think there'll be a discrepancy in price. You know, I don't think I don't think this is going to be a six to five, eight to five, huh? No, I don't think so. No, because they got some other horses that have been running well and have competed in graded stakes and won well. Yeah, and you got Rosario stepping aboard Spooky Channel, who's probably going to take money off the Connolly coming back here. He's got to win over the turf course, so I think you're centering around those uh, three. Chris Black, another and mystery. Chris Black, uh, yeah. It pops up and runs a big race, yep. and he's got Pratt aboard. Yep, yep, and uh, you also got Tiz the Bomb, who's the millionaire already, but. And uh, Tis the Bomb, you know, these horses at the fairgrounds, I don't know how you feel about the turf course, but I, I just find after they get over it one time, usually they really improve the next time in their second start over the turf course. Tis the Bomb gets Lasix here. Um, first time he's running on Lasix. Is that, is that first time yeah, ever he's running on Lasix? Yeah, first time ever, yeah. First time ever on Lasix. So that's an interesting angle there on Tis the Bomb. But, yeah, everything for me is going to go through through two Emmys, and I hope the old boy has one good one good pop left in him. I and think he'll show up. There ain't no doubt about that. <laughs> I think he shows up and gets the job done there in the 10th race. The 11th race, the Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds Oaks, the grade two. Points on the line for the Kentucky Oaks here. Mike, short field, um, only five horses. And, uh, man, here, here we go. I love to see, I love to see uh, Amos throw Hoosier Philly back into here. She's had a couple of nice works. Since, that, since um, everything kind of went wrong in the Rachel, a couple of things. She draws outside this time. I'm a little. I was a little surprised. Um, nothing against Edgar Morales, but I thought if Tom was going to switch jockeys, this would be the race he was going to do it in. That's true. Um, he keeps Edgar Morales on board. She's worked three times since the Rachel. How is she working? Because we all know she's a great, great workhorse. So uh, tell us about who's your filly and and you made her two to one in the Memorial Line. Same, same as the Alice look. Uh, we'll see where the odds land come race time. But how has she been going in the morning since that Rachel? She's worked good. Not, not you know, not that. Eye popping works, but she's worked solid. So I, I can't, you know, I can't knock, you know, how she's coming into the race. She's she's worked fine. <clears throat> I'm just curious as, you know, what are we gonna see? Because I mean, a lot of times horses are really, really precocious two year olds and dominate them, and then when you take that next step to the three year old season, they haven't improved enough. So uh, I'm curious to see what where she stands myself. Uh, I mean, I would be not surprised if she wins but two or three lengths. And also be not surprised if she gets beat and runs third or fourth. I'm pulling for Tom, man. I'm pulling for Hoosier Philly. Just, I, I want to see this horse do well. Um, I mean, there's so many naysayers jumped on board. I mean, after she, oh, she's all this, the numbers, blah, blah, blah. I, I think, you know, 
man, Tom Tom would like to get vindicated here with a good run and get to the get to the um, Kentucky Oaks. I think she needs the points too. I mean, oh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think she's yeah. certain for Kentucky. I mean, she needs the points, so she has to run well if they got plans. I would think they have to run first or second. And she yeah. loves Kentucky. She loves Churchill. So you know, Tom's probably dying to get her up there back to Churchill where she's run really well. Um, but man, pretty mis- mischievous. This horse has done nothing wrong. Just keeps getting better. Um, deserve. I really believe deserves favoritism here. Um, I overlooked her last time out in the Rachel. Um, Tally Gaffleon rode a great race. Brian Hernandez gets on board here. Um, how has she come back to work? Because, man, she was really impressive, and I think she's still kind of flying under the radar. She came back, and she's worked very solid coming into this race. And like you said, uh, how can you not also win four out of five spots? And she beat several of the ones, you know, in this race. Uh, you know, who's your Philly beater, you know, as a two-year-old in the Golden Rod? But then she came back and beat her, you know, in the Rachel Alexander. So I think pretty mischievous is going to be tough. Allie's look, I mean, you can't knock her. Uh, she's, you know, run right there and looked like another one that's on the improve for Brad Cox. She's worked very well coming into this race. Uh, and South Lawn is the wild card. You know, now she ran a powerful race last time out, but that was with Lasix. Now they take the Lasix back off, so exactly. that, that makes it a little bit of a question mark. Is that... Who are you going to see again? Because if it is, she's going to contend with these horses for sure. Yeah, that's a great point you make about the Lasix on her because um, that race really came out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, she she probably grew up and got a little better from her two-year-old year to her three-year-old year. But um, I know Norman and I are very excited about this filly. Um, will she do it without Lasix is a question mark that I have on her. Um, eight to one's a very fair price, though. So I really believe, um, you know, she she's going to be close to the pace as well. It could get a nice little trip on the inside watching what goes on. So she, she's, a you know, like you said, if she repeats that effort without Lasix, she's, she's definitely a player in here. Um, I think if you get away, you know, talking about ticket structure just here for a minute, if you're playing this late pick five with 15% takeout, myself, I'm probably leaning on two Emmys, low heavy. That could even be a single for me. And if I make it out of that leg, I'm going to spread in here. I don't know if I'll take all, I but I might take all four here just to get, just to get through those, this crazy right, race. If yeah, you could yeah. single two Emmys or somebody else in front of this ticket, I don't think you can – I mean, you could toss a coin. I, I would not be comfortable. I'm more comfortable singing, singling two Emmys than what I am singling Pretty Mischievous or Who's Your Philly or, or Alice Look. So I think it's interesting what you said about Alice Look in the workouts. Brad Cox has kind of taken on that Asmussen mentality of working his good Phillies with his good Colts. Yeah. That's something Asmussen started to do a few years back, um, and I think it really paid off for his Phillies. And now you see Brad Cox working his good Phillies with um, with the Colts, and I think they get a lot out of that. So – um, yeah, Alice looks certainly um, a player for Brad in here who has the points already to get into the Kentucky Oaks. So interesting, interesting short renewal of the Fairgrounds Oaks coming up on Saturday at the Fairgrounds. 12th race on the car, Mike's the big one, the Louisiana Derby. Full field, as we expected, um, for the Derby here. You know, you got 12 horses, Shoppers Revenge is on the inside. Pletcher ships one over. Pletcher has four wins in this race. Um, Cox has, uh, you know, Fletcher's got four. Uh, he has his Johnny V, Javier, Rajiv, Mirage all won. Asmussen last year with Epicenter. Cox the year before. They seem to have their best ones down here as usual during the wintertime. You made uh, Instant Coffee two to one favorite. I think um, there's a possibility he could make two to one look very good on Saturday in this race. He's definitely the horse to beat in my eyes, Mike. Um, how How is he going to get it done? Uh, well, I mean, first off, we know Brad. Right after the LeCompte, which actually the LeCompte really ended up being a much better race than general. Oh, yeah, Generally, yeah. it's not one of the stronger preps, but you come out of that right confidence game, came back to win the Rebel. He finished third. Two fields came back to run third in uh, Risen Star. So it, that was a really strong race, and he just, 
you know, ran over all those horses. And Brad said right then and there, the further the race, the better this horse is going to like it. So he knows this horse is better than anybody. And he's worked very well coming into this race. So I got to think he's going to be very tough. Now, the rest of the field, if you're looking for your exactors, you're going to flip a coin because there's seven or eight of them. I think it actually, uh, you got a lot of young horses that are trying to, they're showing something in the mornings and improving races. And if they can take that next step and improve five or six lengths, no surprise if they pop up and win. Uh, Sun Thunder ran a powerful second in the uh, Risen Star. Got to give him a look in here. King Barnes, he's a wild card for Todd Pletcher. Obviously, Pletcher sending him over here, and he got Flavin and Pratt aboard. So obviously, they think he's one of their better three-year-olds. And you can't knock a horse that's two for two. You know, so I, I, you got to think he's got a chance in here. Uh, King Nigliaro, Caligo uh, Ostro, and uh, Dennington both ran right together, got necks apart. And got very high speed rate in, uh, in their last start. So it looks like that's two horses that are on the improve, looking to, you know, take that next step, you know, and move up. But uh, uh, Shopper's Revenge and Disarm, this is two for the Asmussen barn that, you know, been right there, but, you know, haven't, you know, distinguished themselves yet. But they come in into the race with a couple of pretty nice works. Uh, on March 13th, they went 24, I mean, 12 and 4, 24 and 4, 36 and 4. 49 and 1, 101 and 1, 113, and they kept going out to 126 for the 7 8. So that's, this looks like, you know, he's keying these two horses up for this race also. So uh, believe me, mm -hmm. if you want to you know, have instant co coffee and put him first and second, you might spread out and use a bunch of the other ones. So we talked about the post positions. The 10 hole and out and route races on the dirt this meet has been 0 for 33. It's the reason why I tossed victory formation out of the Risen Star. Ended up getting lucky because I liked the Angel of Empire and hit the Superfecta. But one of my keys to hitting that was, and it's the Lasix issue. These horses are on and off Lasix. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. The first three finishers of the Risen Star were all horses that did not run on Lasix their last start. The only other horse that did not run on Lasix was Curly Jack. The rest of them in the Risen Star had Lasix in their last start. They yeah. came off of Lasix, didn't run a lick. Good. Oh, no, that's a good to so, me. A lot of times you don't know. Because believe me, Lasix definitely, you know helps them run to their form. Right. And you're looking at it, I mean, so if you go down the list, you know, Shopper's Revenge was on Lasix last two starts. Um, you know, the, the next three, Instant Coffee, Curly Jack, we just talked about, they're not running on Lasix and haven't been. Sun Thunder was, was off of it to start into the prison star. So those, the, the, the top three, the rest of them were, I mean, that's a huge deal. And in this race, um, you know, Single Rule is off it for second time. Tapit Conquest is off of it. Um, Instant Coffee and Jace's Road is off of it. Now, Jace's Road is interesting because there's only two bad races we're in the mud. We're not going to be muddy um, here at the fairgrounds. This horse, for being a 12-horse field in the Louisiana Derby, you know, this horse, everybody, I think he's going he's gonna to be the pace horse in here. It's just not a lot of pace. And you know Florent Giroux, I mean, the, he, he reminds me of Wells Bayou a couple years ago. When Wells Bayou, Florent Giroux rode him, had an outside post and broke and yeah. just kept going and, um, and, and won the Louisiana Derby. This horse kind of has that feel to me that if the track's playing a little speed favoring, that Jace's road is going to go out to the lead and be tough to catch and, and, and drag home maybe his stable mate. But, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of a win in, depending on his post position stuff and him, him being off of Lasix too. You're still only got to take a look at it. But the rest of them, I think the Lasix thing is very interesting. Jace's road, I think um, I heard earlier this week, Shopper's Revenge blasted out of the gate um, when once they found out he had the one hole. This is a horse that from the rail, I mean, he's kind of forced to be as part of that pace, wouldn't you think? Um, going into that race, I would think he's going to be up there. Yeah, I would think you know I mean, the, the, his main race he was in. He did. He's not a great gate horse. I watched his last two races. He doesn't 
he breaks a little slow, but he gets into stride quick. Um, and he, he, he doesn't rush up. It kind of looks like he's rushing up, but he's really not. He just takes a couple of strides to get going. So I think Asmussen, they said he, um, you know, they put him in the gate Monday, I guess, or Tuesday and let him, let him go out the gate to try to get a little speed maybe into him. Cause I think he, I think his way to the winter circle is probably getting out there and, and not beating, not falling behind 10, 11 horses, um, and try to come all around. So I just don't, I mean, you see any other speed coming from anywhere else, but Jace's road. No, no, no. Jason's road looked like, a, you know, from the outside, Florence going to have to send him and try to get, get over and get his position. But they do have a good long run through the stretch because it starts all the way up at the top of the stretch, this race. Right, right. I think this arm's interesting. You know, this horse uh, obviously needed his last start at Oakland. Aspisa brings him over. Um, he did not race on Lasix in his main special weight race over at Churchill, which wasn't a winning effort. But, um, you know, this horse intrigues me, especially around 10 to 1. Uh, Rosario's going for his third Louisiana Derby in a row. Um, I think he's he's pretty talented horse that Asmussen was really high on um, back in November December. He's just taking a little while to come around, but this could be his coming out party um, for uh, for Rosario and Asmussen. He's really the only one I'm kind of interested in at a price. Um, King's Born, I watch his races. It's hard to judge really how how much he got out of those two races. I know he keeps good company in the morning. He's training with older horses in the morning, but they're not great older horses. Um, I think one was a, a four-year-old maiden, and so you know Todd's not 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 racking his brains in the morning on this horse. So I just don't know how good he is. He's got to ship over here, um, and also come off Lasix. You know he's he's gonna be racing without Lasix for the first time, so maybe that's a opportunity to take a stand against him. Cagliostro, can he take the next step forward? I think it's uh, we get to see Christian Torres here, who's the lead rider at Oakland. I think um, that's pretty that's pretty cool that he comes down here to ride, and Manny Franco's in town from New York to ride Tappet's Conquest because Drew's gonna jump over. To uh to Jason's Road, so a lot going on here in the um in the Louisiana Derby. I believe Instant Coffee is really your only must use, and you take it after that. I think it's a spread fest. I think it's a spread fest, like you said. I I have to agree with you. Yeah. So um, finish it off after the twelfth race. They got three Louisiana bread steaks. So I mean, you're looking at a long, long day at the Fairgrounds Race Course. But um, this podcast is probably going on long enough. So um. And Mike, in the last three races, you, you want to talk about anybody in the last three, just real quick? Um, uh, in the thirteenth race, I just thought uh, he had a very rough trip. Uh, Malachi Empire for uh, Jose Camejo. I, I just look for him to. I doubt that Sayez is going to be on him because once the Louisiana Derby's over, I don't <laughs> see Sayez sticking around to ride the maiden race. Yeah. But uh, I, I think this horse had a, a rough trip first time out, and he should improve out of that race at a fair price. Yeah, in the last race on the card. Um, uh, I like a horse. Poche's horse is pretty good. Um, second time, I, I think that horse will be be real tough to beat. The Lightning Mo in the last race. If anybody's left at the fairgrounds at that time, that could be one um, one to take a look at in the last race. Well, I know you'll be left. I'll be left. Yeah, they got they got me. They got me being left up here. Yeah. Me and Scott Shapiro will definitely be left at the track for that race. Let's see. I get to the best bets. Oh, I just want to mention too. Uh, Chantel Landry Memorial Race on Sunday. They having a Survivor second line after the last race on Sunday. There's a drawing for that. Rick Mockman's the head of that stuff, and there's a drawing for a, a great. 2023 Kentucky Oaks and Derby experience with a raffle ticket. So um, find Rick Mocklin if you're interested in buying one of these last second raffle tickets. And they're going to pull the raffle, I think, after the race in the winter circle for the Chantel Lannery race on Sunday. I just wanted to get that in there. So let's get the best bets and long shots, Mike. What, uh, what are we looking at? Who's your best bet on the Louisiana Derby I, Day card? I think in the fifth race, uh, Malaza for Brad Cox. I just think uh, stretching out and she looked like an improving horse. I think she's going to be really tough. And like I just talked about, the 13th race for a price horse, I'm going to go with the Malachi Empire uh, in, the, in the 13th race with Jose Camillo. My best bet, I'm going to stick with two Emmys. I'm going to hold the, 
Hope the old boy gets it done on the turf in the Munez. Um, hopefully, if he singles, I'm alive to a lot of stuff. Um, give me two. It means that's the best bet. Long shots. I'm going to go to seventh race, the maiden special weight. That's on the dirt. Two turns. I think there's a lot of price horses in there. You can go go in that race. I'm going to go with Super Lux. Uh, Asmussen Rosario, these maiden special weights. I think that horse is a two-turn two turn horse and, a, and it comes out of a good maiden special weight race. So uh, look for Super Lux, 8-1 morning line. Hopefully, she can get it done as my long shot of the day. Mike, really appreciate the time on the podcast this year. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we get out to a lot of winners. And uh, we could uh, take it to the bank this weekend. Um, another season of the books, man. Amazing, another, huh? Yeah, and quick, man, went quick, huh? It sure did. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it did go by pretty fast. So uh, we appreciate everybody joining us on the pod. Uh, appreciate all the feedback you guys give to the pod and give us. Um, it's been fun. Let's, uh, let's do it again, run this back next year, hopefully all happy and healthy. And uh, we'll see you at the fairgrounds racetrack as we take it out. Let's... Uh, Let's uh, go back to the uh, go back to the music here. We'll get a uh, little Mark Broussard leaving us on the card here today at the fairgrounds. Fifteen races. They're trying to kill us. I swear they're trying to kill us over, over there. Um, I know the racing office was real real happy with all that too. So we'll see you guys. Check me out, Shex Nola at Shex Nola on Twitter. Follow those guys at fgno.com. For track locker, the morning linemaker Mikey D. I'm Chad Shex Snyder. See ya.